0: Welcome to Monk's Take. Welcome to Monk's Take Season 2 The Origin Series, recorded right here in our brand new Monk's Cast studio. Today we will have Tom Dan. Our men's and women's cross country and track and field head coach is our first participant in the Origin Series where we focus on the beginnings of our athletic experiences for our head coaches at St. Joe's. Uh, We apologize for those faithful listeners who've been waiting for our next segment to come out, but we are starting with a special guest, Tom Dan, the men's and women's cross country and track and field coach is in our first Uh, origins series we're kind of going a comic book theme here Uh, so origins and we're going to talk to all of our coaches uh, throughout the remainder of the year and just kind of learn about their past how they became involved in their sport and why they decided to become a coach at the college level so tom thanks for joining us
1: thanks cory this is uh great i always like to tell a story
0: yeah, I know, and you're, you're a big <laughs> podcast fan, so right. uh, this this will be a perfect way to start. Uh, so, Tom, just kind of start at the beginning. Now, you, where you grew up as a kid um, and your first foray into athletics, whether it was Little League or, or whatnot.
1: Yeah, um, I grew up in uh, Oberlin, Ohio. It's a little small college town. My dad was a professor there and lived there all my life in the same house, and um I think in middle school, I was in a a physical education class, and we had the 600-yard run, among other things. I couldn't do pull-ups or anything. I was a skinny boy. And I did um, the 600-yard run. I was ahead of everybody by quite a bit. And my gym teacher, my phys ed teacher, was eventually the track coach. And he was the middle school track coach. So he said, son, (laughs) son. He's a, a big African-American man, a, a great sprinter in his day. And, son, you're going to do track. So did a little bit of eighth-grade track. Um, I don't really count it as the beginning of my running because we re- essentially ran around the block. Yeah. Um, and the, races, the longest race was the 600-yard run, which I was not very fast. I had more endurance. but So once I got into high school – Um, I played a little bit of soccer in the fall because I didn't know what cross-country was. I'd never heard of it before. And um, in the spring, I went out for track. And the very first race I ever ran, I remember I had had black socks on because I forgot my white socks. And back then, (laughs) that was just bad news.
0: Very specific.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I remember it so vividly. And uh, the kid that got me to go out for track, um, I asked him, You know how should I run this race? And he said, uh, he goes, well, I'm gonna try to get out with the kid from the other school, and we're gonna try to run about 10, 20, and just don't run too hard, and just go go out there and have fun. I said, okay. And so race goes on, and before I know it, I'm kind of running up on their heels, and decided to go by my buddy, and now I'm behind the kid from the other school, and I stay behind him till about two laps to go, and I just Felt like I was running up on his heels, so I went by him, mm. fully expecting him to go back by me. And I remember he said to me, hey, good job, keep going, or something like that. And and I I came around with a lap to go, and my, my twin brother was just going crazy that I was in first and, and ended up winning the race, and I just didn't ever expect that.
0: This was your first race?
1: First race I ever ran, and um, I we used to break – orange yarn at the finish line i still had that orange yarn because it just was so impactful for me and i i fell in love with the sport right then and there
0: and this was what you were a freshman was my school? freshman
1: year in high school uh yeah 1972 spring of 72
0: wow that's incredible
1: yeah so uh and then the next week i won't i won't tell the whole season but the next week we ran against one of the strongest schools in the state with distance runners they happened to be eight miles up up the road and we are at their track, and um, I followed this kid, same kind of thing. And he was one of the better runners in the state, and he had no idea who I was. He, <laughs> I remember he it was like an owl. He kept looking all the way back, like, who is this kid? And he ended up beating me by maybe 15 seconds or something. But I missed the school record by two-tenths of a second. And I was just – I was sold. I never did get the, the record that season. Yeah. I started thinking too much after that, but <laughs> – you know, sports psychology started to come into play early on. But yeah, it, it was a great start for me. And so I was pretty hooked.
0: So you, you caught the bug then yeah, basically, the bug, right. you know, as, as a freshman and the success you had early, yeah. uh, kind of go through your high school career beyond that first year and how yeah, that progressed.
1: I, I, um, I did cross country the next fall because I realized that playing soccer wasn't going to be my, my ticket. So I ran cross country and had three good years doing that, although I think track was more my love back then. I, I definitely ran better in track than I did in in cross country because I'm a numbers person. And just running around that track eight times for the two mile, I just love the numbers and the the pacing and those things. And I don't know why. It's just what I did. Cross country is a little different. You know, you're running mm. out there. You don't have very many trails. There's all golf courses or or big fields around a community college or something. And so I just didn't enjoy it quite as much. But um, by my senior year, I was, um, I I broke the mile record at Oberlin College. We used to run on their track uh, because we didn't have our own track. And I broke the school record there. And then five days later, I broke the two-mile record. And then... Another week later, I went after the eight eighty yard run, the half mile, and um, that that record was set in nineteen thirty nine. It was two hundred two point two. I remember this, nice. and I wanted that record really badly because in nineteen seventy five, that was all you know. Thirty nine was a long time before, and it was uh, that kid was a state champion when he ran that two hundred two. So the team that we were running against had a set of twins. And they were both good half milers. And we, I was friends with them. And so I said, hey, we're going to pace you to that school record. Hmm. So we, we went out 30 seconds at the 200, well, 220 yards. And then we we're at 60 seconds. And then 130, we we're hitting them right on. <laughs> I ran like a 35 second last 200. <laughs> I just ran out of gas. I just couldn't do it. And so I never did get that record. And Had I stayed with one of of the twins, he ran 201.7. If I had just stayed with him, I would have gotten it, but I just couldn't do it. So I never did get that record. But the two-mile record still holds. So it's going on 45 years. A a kid broke the mile record, I think, three or four years ago. And he almost got my two mile record, but he didn't. And so I'm kind of hoping it goes fifty years. Is there <laughs> a, is there a
0: board in the gym at the at the high school? No, I went no. back
1: for a reunion maybe ten years ago, and um, I found the coaches who were coaching then, and they said, "Oh, we have no idea what the records are." The the <laughs> last coach took them with him or something, which was my coach, and I don't believe oh, wow. that, and I was not happy with that. <laughs> so I did send them some what I had, and so I don't know if they're if they've resurrected that or not, but.
0: Wow. I yeah. know it's very much a numbers sport and a records sport. Yeah. And, right. and yeah, that's, um that's surprising, but as long as you had the records and, 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 yeah. you know,
1: that's uh, fun. I mean, I, yeah. again, I'm a numbers person and those things have some meaning for sure. And I was glad that that kid broke my mile record because records are supposed to be broken and, yeah. you know, but selfishly I want that two mile to go a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah.
0: 50 years. That'd be pretty cool. Um, so, at your senior year of high school, uh, when did you know you were going to go on and compete in college? And and well, know? yeah,
1: I, I knew that right off the bat, and and I didn't necessarily look at colleges for the running for some reason. I just I looked at colleges for the college, and mm-hmm. I, it was probably the better choice overall. Um, I didn't, I never made the state meet in Ohio. That was pretty tough to do, even though I ran. Uh, I think I ran nine forty seven two mile, which was which would be really good in Maine. I probably would have been state champ back then. But in Ohio, um, I think I was fifth ranked in the middle-sized schools my senior year. Mm-hmm. So I should have been at the state meet. But I got this allergy that I, um, in the spring, my senior year, I'd cough after any hard workout or hard or a race or something. I would cough and I couldn't even eat dinner. It's wow. one of those coughs that you can't satisfy kind of thing. And the night of the district meet, we had um, prom, (laughs) and I had a prom date. I didn't want to be coughing all the way through prom. (laughs) So my mom took me to the doctor, and the doctor checked me out and gave me some meds, and I took these meds and got in the district race, and some of the kids I'd beaten the week before in the first round, I couldn't even stay with them. Mm. And they all pulled away. I finished last in the fast heat and the last kid to qualify for states was the slow, was the first runner in the slow heat which kind of turned the knife you know my back right. a little bit. And I, I was devastated cuz you got to go down to Jesse Owens Stadium in Columbus and oh, on the I'm state kidding. meet and I wanted that more than anything. oh so much. Oh. I was extremely disappointed. And I went to the prom and I didn't even dance. I mean, I was like <laughs> a bump on a log. Yeah. Fortunately our foreign exchange student was a good dancer and he didn't have a date and I said Go dance, go have fun. With <laughs> I feel kind of embarrassed now, but that's that was my reaction back then. So I wasn't recruited in college. Okay, but um, of course, got, very different time. Yeah, and when it comes, they, to they looked at state results, and yeah. I wasn't on the state list, so they didn't recruit me. But in a way, that was kind of neat because when I got when I wrote the coach in the summer at Wittenberg, I said hey, I'd like to have your summer program. Can I make the team and all that stuff? And he sent me the summer program, and I started following it. And a month later, I wrote him and said, hey, I've been following your program, and it's great, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, wrote back and said, if you're following that program, then you're going to do just fine for us. I think he was sort of like a walk-on kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I ended up number one freshman that year on a team that had 10 freshmen. We, we just had this big change, big improvement in the, in the Wittenberg program. And, uh, so again, I just, my, I was just riding high. I was enjoying it so much.
0: That's great. So Wittenberg, why did you choose? You said it wasn't for the running. It was,
1: um... yeah, they had a fifth of a mile cinder track. And as much as I love track, I can't believe I went to a school with facilities like that. Yeah. But I just fell in love with the school the moment I was on it.
0: And, um, Close to home?
1: Three hours away. Okay. The Southern Ohio. Okay. And um, I just fell in love with it, and it was a good choice, and the, the teammates that I had were excellent. The coaching, I can't say it was great, but, mm. you know, at Wittenberg, basketball and football were powerhouses in D3. They're national champs. Each of them were national champs while I was there. So they are very, very good. And the basketball coach was given cross-country – and one of the football coaches was the track coach. So I never had a distance coach okay. there. And so we basically coached ourselves. And, and I'm not knocking them as human beings. I mean, they did the best they could with right. what they were trying to do. And that happens a lot. That does happen yeah. a lot. I mean, the cross-country coach was very passionate. He, he was a basketball coach when he he was as passionate about cross-country really as he was with with uh, basketball. And so we benefited with that. Mm. We had a passionate coach. But my junior year in college, I qualified for the Nationals and basketball had started. And so I had to drive myself to Nationals in Cleveland. It was in Cleveland that year. I mean, I couldn't even, couldn't have gone to a, a, a fun place like Boston or <laughs> Somewhere something. Somewhere I'd never been. Yeah, right? or Virginia Beach <laughs> or something where they went sometimes. And I got to go to Cleveland, which is 40 minutes from my hometown. <laughs> and it snowed uh, six inches that day. And so Nationals was on a wet, cold Course, but I'm glad I went. But yeah. it was had no coaching, so I didn't run to my potential at all, which is kind of disappointing. But
0: I've seen pictures from our past years uh, back in the 80s when, uh, you know, we we had some all-American runners here, and it seems right. like they're we always in the snow. Yeah, when we came to that that yeah. final
1: race. Yeah, this time of year, it's uh, middle of November, and if you're in the East Coast or the Midwest, you're gonna get snow most yeah. likely, or at least it's gonna be pretty darn cold. So
0: right. Yeah. Oh. But it was a
1: good experience. Yeah.
0: So you, that was your junior year, kind of carry us into your senior yeah, year and then when senior you're graduating. Year,
1: or... I, uh, I I can't get on my kids that I coach here too much. Sometimes I just didn't run much that summer. Okay. I don't know if I was resting on my laurels or.
0: Was senioritis kicking in. Yeah. Well, no, not
1: really. <laughs> I, I d- really didn't have senioritis. I I just uh, I worked a double shift at a restaurant, and I just didn't run as much, and it it showed my senior year. Mm. Plus. My junior, the junior year was the last year they didn't have regionals. I qualified out of my conference. Okay. If you're in the top 25 in conference, we, the Ohio Athletic Conference was a really good conference. It's kind of a historic conference. And I finished 21st, I think, that year, which was far below my potential. I should have run better. but, um, And I think we had 429 runners in the national championships. And on a snowy day, I, I didn't even make it to the finish line. <laughs> I was a, I was just ahead of the mid pack. I was, I think I was 194th and, um, I had to stop about 20 yards before the actual finish line because the chute had built up so much and oh, people wow. were running into each other and yeah. it's cold and it's kind of a miserable experience, be Sounds honest with like you. And, um, so the next year they started regionals and, um, I couldn't make it out of regionals. We had a tough region. So it was, Definitely a disadvantage for me as a runner, but it was the right thing. We we needed to have regionals. Kind of wish they had waited one year, but
0: <laughs> right, yeah, that's so. kind of poor timing. But yeah, so so talk about uh, your first coaching experience. Did you coach it all while you were in college, or did it start no, after?
1: I um, I was a geology major, and I when I finished college, I um, wanted. I tried to get into, I got into grad school, but I couldn't get any financial aid. So I decided to work. So I called my, the the guy that was a senior on the team was a geology major. And he was our, you know, when when I was a freshman, he was a senior. And um, he was already working out in, I think he was in Denver. And he said, you can either go to Houston, Tulsa, or Denver. Those are all the hotbeds for jobs Hmm. back then in the oil business. And So, of course, Denver sounded great to me, and I had a half-sister that lived in Boulder, and so I moved to Boulder. Mm. And um, so I was working a job as a staff geologist and realizing I didn't like being a staff geologist. So I went out to look for something else to do along with my working, like in the afternoons, and I went to Fairview High School in Boulder and asked if they needed any help. And the guy said, sure, coach with us. And that was the best thing I ever did because – That program was so much fun. That coach just had a great program, like 35 boys and 35 girls on this team. And um, the school was kind of nestled in the foothills of the Rockies, and they used to take them up to the Continental Divide, and we'd run these trails up there. I mean, it's just a blast. And um, he actually recommended me for the job because he was retiring, and I lost my geology job because of the economy at the time, and uh, I couldn't afford to stay in Boulder. So I didn't get that job. I moved back to Ohio, and the girls ended up state champs, and I missed the meet, and it was really disappointing, but I was hooked on it. Yeah. So that's when I went into grad school and decided to change my career, and I got a master's degree in um, sports psychology and human performance at Cleveland State, knowing that I was going to coach. I mean, that was my dream. And um, I started coaching while I was doing that. I was coaching, helping out Oberlin College for a few years. Uh, I just was on a Zoom call the other night with a bunch of them, which is really a blast.
0: Oh, that's great. And then I
1: did a little bit of Oberlin High School coaching because they had dropped their cross-country program uh, after my senior year because there wasn't enough interest. And I got that program going again, and I kind of did both. And I was working part-time because I was going to school and coaching and living at home. So I didn't have to worry about money. And yeah, it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. And I resurrected my running career at that point. And so I knew what direction I was going.
0: Wow. So how how long were you at Oberlin coaching?
1: Um, Three years, three or four years. Um, I ended up moving to Maine in 1988. Because I went through a divorce and my okay. ex came back up here with my son, and yeah. after about a year of being away, it just didn't make sense to me. So I left my gig there and came up here, and within a couple months, I was assisting at Kennybunk High School. Okay, and two, three years later, the St. Joe's job came open, fall of ninety two, or in the some August of ninety two is advertised, and I had met some of the kids at other schools, high schools, because I was coaching at Bunk, and there were two runners from Scarborough that were at St. Joe's. And they knew me mm-hmm. and liked me and recommended me for the job. So I got the, I got the St. Joe's job, largely because of those two runners.
0: Who, who are uh, they?
1: Kristen Lindholm, who ended up being yeah. an amazing runner right. that I inherited as a, as a coach. And, um, oh, man, he only ran one year. I'm spacing his name out right now. Uh, I didn't give him any running stuff in the summer, (laughs) and he got mad at me. So he stopped coaching, or he stopped running. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So that's probably why I don't remember his name. But it was was my fault, kind of. But anyway, yeah, so then I was coaching St. Joe's, and uh, it was great. I continued to coach Kenny Bunk track. Mm Mm-hmm. And we had some amazing kids on the, on those teams. I mean, those, those were, I became the head coach cause the other guy, I keep finding these situations where people leave or retire or something after a couple of years and I get, I get the job. So yeah. I was really fortunate. And we had some amazing athlete, athletes that went on almost to the Olympics. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Eric Neto went to Northeastern after we coached him at Kennebunk, and, um, they turned him into an 800 and 1,500 guy, and he took fourth in two successive Olympic trials. He just missed the Olympic team.
0: No kidding. That's and that's pretty cool. Jamie
1: Cook, who I co- uh, coached, ended up at Penn, and he was decathlon champion twice at the Penn Relays and coached at Penn and then coached uh, Oregon decathletes. So we had some wow. amazing athletes there.
0: That's big time. Yeah. yeah.
1: And then lacrosse came in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and all the
1: studs went to lacrosse and yeah, we just didn't tins, have, didn't get the athletes after that. Yeah, it was hard and I'm yeah. not blaming lacrosse, but it, it def, definitely hurt the track program. Yeah,
0: yeah. That makes sense. It also hits, you know, the other sports programs too. Like yeah. Especially in smaller and, schools. You yeah. Know.
1: When definitely. I was a Sockby Valley coaching there, some girls were going to start a lacrosse team. And I said, if you do, I will leave mm. because I knew that it was going to dilute the, the athletes. And yeah, you know, I like coaching just because I love coaching, but I also like to win. Yes. You know, that that's a part of it. So yeah. um I knew that when you dilute a program it just makes it so hard to get where you want to get as a coach. So
0: So what what was it like for you to come to Maine and and not too long after um, be a head coach of a college program that, you know, you're kind of uh you know, you're relatively new to the area, right? And yeah. it, it's a whole new world from where you're used to
1: yeah it was I I think probably in a way because it was such a small program when I took it over that was probably the best scenario Mm -hmm. it would have been tough to walk into a sort of like Kenny Bunk that was a ready-made team and I had all these athletes but I was I was ready for high school coaching yeah college was a little, little different ball game but we started so small and and not real strong except for Kristen I mean she was a really good runner um, that it actually kind of made it a little bit easier that way. And I almost treated it like a high school program at the very beginning. Yeah. And there's a lot more to learn in terms of the recruiting and all that. And I struggled with that for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, you don't have the context, you don't. Right. I yeah. didn't know
1: anyone. Yeah. So, um, so that part was a little bit tougher, but, and then I ended up leaving after two years. So I didn't really get to kind of see the, the progress of it because I had gotten married and my wife was from Las Vegas and she was homesick and wanted to go back and this wasn't a full-time job. And so yeah, right, I right. wasn't going to argue with what she wanted to do, yeah. even though I really didn't want to leave the program. I did. Yeah. And uh, so we left for a few years out in Las Vegas. And um, so when I came back, we came back a, co- a couple of years later and I didn't come to campus until I think August of 98. So I'd been away for for almost four years.
0: So during that time, did you coach at all, or were no, you? No, Las
1: Vegas. You couldn't coach if you weren't teaching in the school. Okay, that was their rule. So I didn't get to coach, and that was very frustrating for me because yeah. I kind of de- it derailed my plan. Yeah. So when I came back, I got I started coaching at Kenny again. They had an opening for assistant. Did that, and then the coach left. Now was head coach again. <laughs> and then um, I came up to campus and. Simons was still the athletic director.
0: Yeah, Rick Simons, yeah.
1: And I, I walked into his office just to say, Hi, hey, I haven't been back, you know, for and he goes, Oh my God, I can't believe you're here. And I said, Why? He goes, the cross country coach just quit. She had to go back to California. Do you want your job back? <laughs> that was my interview. Do you want Man, your you, job you back? You just had
0: so many interesting. I was lucky it's almost timing. like
1: someone was looking after me. You know, yeah. maybe it's because of Catholic college or something. I don't know. <laughs> And um, I didn't even ask my wife. She's waiting out in the car. And I, I came out and said, Hey, I got my job back. <laughs> <laughs> and I was working for UPS at the time to make ends meet, kind of thing. But I had my, my dream job again. Yeah. And, and then Sue Kelly was the phys ed professor and head of the department. And, she's, and I went up to her and told her I was on campus and if there's any teaching job uh, classes open. And she gave me two, jo- two classes. So now I'm coaching college cross-country and teaching two courses. And two years later, that became a full-time teaching job. So I, I think I earned it, but I also lucked out Yeah, <laughs> kind of at the same time. And, and so I was coaching cross-country. We didn't have track back then. I was coaching cross-country and developing the exercise, sport and exercise science department.
0: Right, and which has grown exponentially Yeah, which was over the just years.
1: great. And yeah. so I, I had a great gig. I really did but being a part-time coach it's really hard to recruit. Yeah. Right? You just can't spend the time that you need in it. And it 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 we had some good teams. We were GNAC champs a couple times with right. the ladies and we had teams of 24, 25 runners on the, in the team. Um so something was working, but when the job became full-time a few years ago, that was just a godsend. I mean, yeah.
0: Absolutely.
1: Now i truly have what I've always wanted, and that's to be a full-time coach at, at a D three school. There's nothing better, in my
0: book. Well, and adding the track and field program, and then add, yeah, seven and then eight eight add, years Yeah, ago. and then
1: now we have a track out there, and yeah. really mm-hmm. would like to finish that that project so we can really have it full. You know, I have home meets and stuff, but uh, we're it's just great to have what we have. So absolutely, yeah, I consider myself blessed. I really do.
0: So. Who who would you say has influenced you the most maybe as a coach that you've had or, you know, maybe some Just coaches anyone? that you followed? Either a coach that you've had personally or, you know, other coaches that you read their books or, you know, things uh, like that. Well, yeah.
1: I would definitely say um, Jack Daniels. Um, he was the coach at SUNY Cortland. Okay. And uh, I'll talk about a podcast. I've He's got a couple of them. Nice. That – his life story is amazing. I, I just, I'm so inspired when I listen He's 87 years old now. He still runs two miles almost every day. And he's sharp as a tack. And he came up with this, this philosophy based on numbers. And I'm a numbers guy, mm-hmm. so it worked perfect for me. And it, it's the essence of what I do as a coach. Um, there's basically, without getting too much into it, there's basically three or four different aspects of your physiology that we can train to be better runners or or swimmers or Mm. cyclists, whatever the endurance sport is. And he hit it right on. And he's got this thing called a V dot where you can look at any distance uh, of competition and you can equate them based on your physiology. Oh, wow. And so every runner on our team here and, and other coaches do the same thing. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. They have a V dot value based on where they are right now. So I can somewhat predict what they can do at other distances. Okay. And um, so that had a huge influence on me because I believe in it and I'm a numbers guy, so it just worked out perfect. Yeah. And then my sports psychology background, you can't forget about the psychology too. It's not all numbers, but I base the training on those numbers. Right. And then you work with a psychology at the moment on each day. So if someone's not feeling good that day, then you might throw the numbers out the window that day because they're not feeling it. Or, or maybe we're doing a workout that doesn't fit who they are as an athlete, athlete. Like they might be an 800 runner and I'm giving them things to make them stronger for duration. And so they struggle in those workouts. So I might modify it a little bit, but the numbers are still there. Right. And um, so he definitely has the biggest influence on me. Um, another would be meeting Steve Prefontaine as a freshman in high school, Okay. right after my first season ever. The one that I talked about earlier on in the podcast, yeah. I was so into it. And then we came, I summered up here in Kennebunk. That's yeah. how I, that's how I got to be in Maine. So even though I was at St. Joe's, I wasn't here for the first time because I summered all my life in Kennebunk. Ah. So we'd, we'd leave Oberlin, since my dad was a professor and my mom was, a, was the uh, housewife kind of thing, that's kind of the way they did it back then, um, we came up to Maine every summer. And um, so after my freshman year in high school track, my dad happened to notice that the Olympic team was practicing at Bowdoin College right before they went to Munich. Uh, I don't know where the women's team was. It was just the men's team. And he took my twin brother and I up to Bowdoin And my dad's a musician, you know, and he, I don't think they went to any of my track meets. They didn't really, I won't say they weren't supportive, but they just weren't into it.
0: Yeah, I know how that is. And for
1: him to see that in the newspaper and say to my brother and I, hey, you guys want to go up and do something special? And we sat in those stands for hours and watched these guys train. And every time they got done, we'd run down with our little notebook and got autographs. And I knew who Prefontaine was. Yeah. And so we went down and got his autograph and he goes, well, I'm kind of in a hurry. I got to go back to my dorm. You guys want to walk with me? And it's only my brother and I. And we walked for 20 minutes with him. Nice. And I told him my freshman time, you know, because I was was kind of probably a little cocky, you know. I was was proud. proud. I was proud. Yeah. And he, um, I said, I ran 1025 as a freshman. And he said, this exact quote, that's a damn good time, he said. <laughs> and, of course, my head got like this because yeah. I figured, okay, and I think my mile time was faster than his mile time as a freshman oh, in boy. high school. So, of course, I put two and two together, meant I was yeah. going to the Olympics, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little naive back then. But, but it was okay. I was inspired, you know. And right. so he had a big impact on me for sure. And, of course, when he died my senior year, right after, right after my senior year season ended, which is very kind of odd. Yeah. I remember I was sitting on my front porch in my Oberlin house and my mom came out and told me and I was in shock, I couldn't yeah. believe it. So he's been an inspiration in other ways also. Um, those are probably be the two biggest inspirations
0: in my life. No, it's easy hence to my, see uh, how that would...
1: ta- hence my tattoo of his autograph on my leg. Yeah,
0: that's <laughs> no, very good. Cool. your license plate, and my license plate. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm a kid at heart.
0: Yeah, well, hey, that's that's the only way to live as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, so I, I want to backtrack a little bit, okay? Um, I've known you for you know 15 18 years, mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. I had no idea you were a twin.
1: I mean, I, I have to. Just be open and honest. Right now, he passed away
0: a couple years ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, had a little
1: mental illness and couldn't deal with it, and so those those are special moments.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah,
1: but ask away. I mean, I'm still proud of being a twin, and he's still my twin. So
0: yeah, no, that's that's pretty cool. That that was an interesting thing to to hear about. He actually
1: ran in a few races. He ran track a couple years. And we, I took first, and he took third a couple times. So we, have, I have the news I still have the newspaper clippings where it says T Dan and J Dan, which is pretty cool. Yeah, because he wasn't into it like I was. He was more of a soccer player, and okay, but it's really special to have him
0: to be able to do that with your twin brother and and have that kind of success. Probably competition all the way through.
1: No, we never no? did. He respected that I was really into it. Um, I always thought he had a lot of potential because he never trained like I did. He never was into it. And, you know, even the years he wasn't running, he goes, Hey, I'll I'll run with you today. And I'd go out and do a seven mile run or something. He'd run right with me, even though he hadn't been training. So I always thought he had a lot of potential and I wish he had done it just for his sake, because if he, you know, I enjoyed it so much. It meant so much in my life. And I wish he had that in his life. And, you know, he had soccer and he enjoyed it, but something about an individual sport, When you put the work in and you get something out of it, there's something special about it. And I wish he could have experienced that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So last year you hit a pretty big milestone personally. Uh, Talk about that. I don't want to uh, misquote anything. Um,
1: Yeah, I've kept track of my running since that 1972 season. I don't know why. No one told me to do it. I just started writing I didn't use calendars back the first year and a half i used little pieces of paper and i had categories like a quarter mile half mile mile all the way up to eight miles i think that was my longest run my freshman year and i put a tick mark every time i did one yeah and then 1973 i got this little date minder it's a little teeny one like this and then the next year i got a bigger calendar and i just kept track and i and i was a real numbers guy I kept numbers on how many miles I ran in my shoes, and I finally gave that (laughs) up after a while because that just got crazy after a while. But I still kept the weekly miles and the monthly miles and all my races. And um, so I just started adding them up after the end of each month. And by the time last year rolled around, I hit 50,000 miles. And... I know runners have run, run 100,000 miles, but I'm still proud of 50,000 miles because oh, when you think of the percentage of people that have ever done that, it's right. probably not a huge percentage. So I'm not patting myself on the back, I'm just proud of it. No, there's it it nothing something wrong to with me. that. I mean, I,
0: I'm it, pretty it, sure it, my it, assistant, Megan Dunlap, hasn't even dro- driven 50,000 miles <laughs> in, in her life. I know, when I
1: go past 50,000 on my car or something, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, it didn't take me quite as long, but yeah, I still did it. It was twice to, around the earth, so yeah. around the equator. So that's that's crazy. I
0: have to pick on Megan because she's been sitting here watching us, uh, doing this. Yeah, podcast. so it
1: was special, and yeah,
0: that's really cool. Um, so do you have a box of, of calendars from all these yep, years? I
1: do, and I told my wife, if we ever had a fire in the house, I will grab that and then get the kids. <laughs> <laughs> kiddingly but <laughs> yeah but you got it yeah you got to grab that yeah, that's got to be in yeah, a go bag somewhere so and i've got all the every race i've ever runs in there i think it's like 525 races now and it's just fun it doesn't mean anything except it's fun for me and i reminisce and i reminisce and every month now i write um a little thing on facebook with like um i highlight the top races in may during yeah. may and then the top, then the next month, I highlight all my top races of all those years of 49 years of racing that oh, month. Cool. And I'm behind right now. I haven't done finished September, and I haven't started October yet, so I'm a little behind. Nah, got, got a little busy here, but yeah. And I have people who comment on Facebook saying, "Thanks for the inspiration," and yeah. that's why I do it. I mean, I do it because it's fun for me, but. You know, it's just fun.
0: Well, they aspire know? to be where you are. Yeah. You know, right now with I'm how, enjoying how the longevity yeah.
1: of being a runner yeah. and a coach. I really am enjoying it. I don't want to get any older. I wish I could stop, but yeah, but I am enjoying the longevity of it. You know, I really am. Uh, next year will be my 50th year of running. Wow! And I haven't had a zero month since 1981. So it's not like – I mean, sometimes that meant I ran three miles one month and not, nothing to shake a stick at, but I still didn't have a zero month, and so that means something. Yeah. So you hang on to what you can hang right. on keep to, that right? keep that streak alive.
0: <laughs> Tom, how old are you? 63. 60, you don't look anywhere near <laughs> that age. I mean, <laughs> clearly uh, running has kept you young. I know you're young at heart, but physically, I mean, you're in terrific. Thank you. Terrific yeah. shape. And and I try. And, and it's
1: funny. I'm, I'm my own worst critic, you know. I, I'm hard on myself, my wife, you know, I got, got the little belly going here and it, it bothers me for me, but, but then my wife reminds me, hey, you're doing more than, yeah, yeah there might be a 63 year old that's running, there was a guy that ran sub five minute mile, which I can't believe, mm. that's just crazy. But you can't look at those people. I tell my athletes not to do those things. You have to look at yourself and be proud of yourself. Right. and sometimes I need that lesson too.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah, you are your own individual. You can't yeah. compare yourself. Yeah, to... be proud
1: of what you do, and yeah, yeah. Maybe I need to stop the ice cream at night, and if I want to, you know, and run a little more, and that's up to me. I'll either do it or I won't do it. But
0: well, if you ever need to pictures. feel better about yourself, uh, <laughs> you know, physically, just you know, I'll send you a picture of myself, and we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, so, are there some races post? uh you know in your adult life post college that really stood out for you uh, i know you've you've run a yeah, lot of races
1: uh, yeah the um i think one of the big ones that probably had had the biggest um pr- that had the biggest pride in was a little 3 mile race in Biddeford.
0: Hmm.
1: it used to be called doc's tavern and there's a little pub down there called doc's tavern this is before Biddeford High School took it over and had to change the name because you don't like to have the word tavern in a high school fundraiser. <laughs> but it was really cool because um, it was a race that runners and, forgive me for saying it this way, but town drunks, if you will, would all gather and have fun. Yeah. And they used to, and it, it, by the time I was starting to run, it, it was in its 20th year, I think, and they had handwritten results on posters that they'd post up, for that weekend every year. Wow. It, was, it was amazing. That's cool. And I won 1990, I think it was. I won in a time of, I think it was 1440. So I was coming back as defending champ the next year and I happened to live in Bidford that year. I lived there for seven years. Hmm. So I trained on the course and I wanted to defend my title and I lived only Half mile from the course, so I okay. ran on a lot, and then I heard Andy Palmer was coming to run, and he was one of Maine's best runners and he was more of a marathoner, but he was um he was good at every distance, but mostly in the marathon. He went to Olympic trials several times, and he had the course record at four nineteen fourteen nineteen and the local paper was talking about how great it was to have him back, which was great, but they never said anything about me being defending champ. And I it kind of lit a fire under my butt and I wasn't mad at anyone, but it's like, hey, give me some love right, here. Right? right. So I did a little, you know, I had sports psychology background and I started running the course a lot and I started doing some imagery and imagining what if I am with him near the end? What if I'm here right before we take this sharp right turn and up the hill and then it's like a zigzag finish and if you had the lead going into that hill, you had a great chance to win because it's hard to pass. So I kept fantasizing, oh, what if I'm with him? I'm gonna do this kind of thing. So day of the race comes and gun goes off and I bolt out and I build up a pretty big lead. He decided to go out slow.
0: Mm.
1: led at the mile, led at the two mile, and I had, had some, it was, I was running fast. I I put it out there and they actually videotaped it, although it was on the back of a pickup truck. So it makes you sick to look at it, but, <laughs> but you can see him gaining on me. And he catches me at about two and a half miles into this three mile race. And you can see me look over at him. And then I look back and he starts to pull away a little bit. And I was tired because I had put out really hard. I ran hard in that race, but something inside of me, You know, he didn't, he didn't put me away. And that was his mistake. He should have worked a little harder then and not saved it. And so I got close enough to him when I came to that corner that I had imagined, I didn't even think about it. I just bolted by him and sprinted up the hill. And he was a tall guy, had long legs, he had a hard time getting going. And uh, he never, he never passed me. And I beat him that day is the best race of my life.
0: That's awesome.
1: And I missed his course record by two seconds. (laughs) <laughs> I, I ran fourteen twenty one, but that's by far my, my PR. Even when you when you um, calculate it to a five k, it's it's probably twenty seconds faster than any other one I ran. And um, the next year I came back as two time defending champ, and no one had ever won three in a row. And I had actually started my downslide. I, I remember the last race that I had a good race, and it wasn't that I overtrained, but I over raced. I raced a lot. Because they would give me, they would caught me. They'd say, "Hey, come run our race. We won't charge you. We'd love to have you." Because I was run, win winning races. Yeah, it was fun. I felt like a world class runner, yeah, only I'm cool. on, on my level, you know. Yeah. So it was fun. I mean, I don't mean anything cocky about that, but it, I'm I feel blessed that I had that opportunity.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was just plain fun, and I wanted to win so badly, and and I ended up third, I think, in that race. Two guys beat me, and I just I just didn't have it anymore. It, it, I fell quickly. And the the uh, the cor- the um, guy that ran the r- put on the race came up to me and said, "Ah, too bad. I had a trophy for you as three-time winner." And it's like, "Why did you tell why me did you tell me that? <laughs> <laughs> so that always kind of bugged me, but but that one year was a great year, and uh, I'll tell you one other real quick one. I went to, um, I ran a race at Bowdoin College, and I ran the 10,000 meter, and I won. And the winners got to go to New York City and run a race and represent Maine mm. against all the other Atlantic states. So Virginia, all the way up, all the New England states. Come to find out they didn't have a 10,000 at that race, so they put me in the 5,000, which was okay. But So I went out to New York City, stayed overnight next to the Madison Square Garden, across the street, did the whole Fifth Avenue thing, and, and uh, went to the race. And I looked at the list and I was ranked 27th out of 27. You know, Maine is not a strong state. There's some good individuals. I mean, Andy Palmer was great, but he didn't, he didn't run that race. So I thought, okay, here we go. And I think only 17 ended up running. And I remember on my way there trying to find the track is on Randall's Island. I got lost and I was walking through Harlem probably back in the day when Harlem wasn't a great place for a white person with a running suit on to walk through. <laughs> and I don't mean anything by that, but it just wasn't yeah. a good time. Yeah. And a guy came up to me and said, do you need help? I can tell your loss. And he was from Jamaica. He was in the race. Oh, no kidding. So the gun goes off. And after the first mile, I ran, I think I was 435, which is almost my PR. And I was in last place by 20 yards. And I thought, oh, boy, uh, <laughs> this is going to be ugly. And I just said to myself, just run, D- don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. All you can do is run and just hang in there. And I just kept plugging away each lap. And on the last lap, I caught the guy from Jamaica and out kicked him. And so I didn't finish last. <laughs> and I said a PR a PR on, on the track. And I was actually really happy with my race. Yeah. I just was in a field that was way better than me, but. I'm proud that I didn't give into it and I still set a PR and I think that's those, those are important lessons. And I tell tell the kids on the team that I said, no matter what, you just got to do your thing. It's the process. Yeah. And I followed the process that day and I don't know what turned that switch on, but I'm glad I did. So it was a great experience. I got to run on Randall's Island, which is now, they actually have one of the diamond league meets there now, which is a world-class event. So it's kind of cool to, to have run on that track.
0: Wow. That's great. Right. Well, Tom, I've I really enjoyed talking to you. I knew this would be a good one <laughs> to start with for the Origins series. Um, you're you're very specific. You have very many uh, details in your mind. It's, yeah, I hope I don't lose hear. my mind.
1: <laughs> I hope I don't get dementia because I I'd, I'd hate to forget some of these yeah. things. It, they are fun. Uh, yeah.
0: yeah, I I know what you mean. Um, I'm a numbers guy myself and, and some of that stuff, you know, it just stays with you for some reason. Yeah, Like, like numbers just stick in our I minds. Know. My so. wife
1: used to say, you can't remember our anniversary but you remember your time back in
0: yeah yeah true true yeah yeah i don't know what it is i had to memorize it yeah well you, you can depend on your wife to know yeah, when your that's anniversary right. is. that's right yes that's her job it, no, she's no, not I'm gonna sorry. know your time you know so yeah you, you have to keep track of that stuff um but tom again thanks a lot for joining us uh, i've really enjoyed this uh well tom i'm gonna give you a chance to to say you know whatever you want to say that
1: well i just want to thank you for this opportunity it's just fun um I I never want to come across as cocky or anything. I don't mean it that way. I think it's the longevity piece is really big. And I think I like to share with the athletes that I coach that these are things you can do if you want to. Yeah. And enjoy the journey and that kind of thing. So I think it helps. Yeah. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you for being willing to chat with us. Thank you for listening to our first episode of season two in the Origin series with Tom Dan. Tune in next week as we'll have a special guest, another head coach here at St. Joseph's College discussing his or her past in their sport. And if you're interested in recording your own podcast here at St. Joseph's College, go to gomonks.com backslash monkscast. that's gomonks.com backslash monkscast for more information.